My name is Axabrenti Brentskarauth Brentstill. I don't know if my fellow Fandalites will ever recognize that name. I guess some of the story I'm about to tell will appear in the scientific journals. I mean, the accident that occurred to me has certainly rewritten the science of zero-space mass extrusion during podcasting. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where myself and Jenna read and discuss uh, each Animorphs books in order. Today we're doing book number 18, The Decision, in which, and man, I feel like these book plots are getting more esoteric the farther we get into the series. (laughs) It was inevitable. Yeah, um, so Eric the Chi tips the uh, Animorphs off to a Yerk plot to take the second highest ranking member of the Secret Service as a controller. They've had Chapman hit and run him and arranged for him to be rushed to a Yerk-controlled hospital, but he ended up in a coma, which is useless for the Yerks. So Visser 3 decides to acquire him and use the morph to infiltrate the Secret Service, but the Animorphs decide that they should beat him to it. So they all morph mosquitoes in order to steal some of this dude's blood on the sly, and then later spit it out and use it to acquire him, but during the process... They all end up getting sucked into zero space, where they almost suffocate, but are rescued by the Andalite warship that pulled them there in the first place. Turns out it's on the way to Liren, because the Yerks have altered their Liren invasion strategy to a traditional ground war rather than an infiltration. In a shocking twist, the captain of the ship is a traitor, not a controller, just a straight traitor, and lands the ship behind the Yerk lines. The Animorphs escape, make it to a Liren city, and end up enabling an Andalite plan to blow up the continent the Yerks landed on all while snapping back into the time and place from whence they were pulled into Z-Space in the first place uh, in an increasingly rapid fashion. By the end of the book, the Yurk invasion of Liren is foiled for now. The Secret Service agent has woken up, but his Yurk guards have run off, and at least someone in the Andalite military command structure is aware of the situation on Earth. This is another book where nothing has really changed uh, during the entire book, because they just snap back to the time that they leave it. So, like, nothing really changes except for every single thing that we know about how morphing <laughs> works. Also, Andalites. How Andalites work. <laughs> yeah, this book does nothing but raise questions about how all of this is just holding together. It, it, it seems increasingly like it's held together by duct tape. Yeah, I, I don't foresee any of the questions raised in this ever being addressed. And, I mean, do we just want to start at the top with those questions? <sighs> I mean, yeah, I suppose so. So, the, the, I think the number one question, and this is less canon, uh, how is this working? But it, at one point, Visor 3 morphs a caffet bird, a six-winged bird, because that's a great evolutionary advantage. More wings equals faster, then. This is established as canon in the book. Yes, more wings equals more better. But Axe is so confused about how he has this morph because it's a bird from the Andalite homeworld. And at no point is anybody like, well, maybe Alarin had that morph before he was captured. Like, nobody even mentions that. Presumably, he lived on the Andalite homeworld, right? Right. I'm going to call it Andalon. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess we don't have a name for it yet. Yeah, Alarin definitely lived on Andalon. So how how would I, why why would Axe assume he didn't just have that morph already? They sort of address this a little later in the book, where it's revealed that most Andalite warriors, well, all Andalite warriors have the ability to morph. Most never actually acquire any morphs, which is its whole own sidebar if you want to get into that yeah do you want to let's sidebar that right now okay, let's main right. bar that what the fuck is the I, title of this sidebar because like what i don't know i don't know the the entire species all of the andalites have the morphing technology but from the mouths of andalites themselves they almost never few few acquire morphs or use them unless they're spies that's like, crazy what even is the point of it? Why did it occur to Elfangor to give it to the humans? And why do the Andalites care if the humans have it if they never fucking use it? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. So this, I, this a little bit leads back to my theory that I've uh, offered in previous episodes, which is that the Andalite bodies themselves are a morph amalgamation. Because if you're a species and you create what you think is the most perfect, beautiful, iconic, like construction of an animal with zero torsos and with no torsos just a neck uh why would you want to morph anything else yeah i think uh this is the book that finally convinced me that your fan theory is super likely yes yes yeah it's it's fandalite's canon now yeah excellent good yes so good (laughs) and i mean the fact that axe's battle morph is just him. Yeah, like all the time. Yeah, like he, uh, much like uh, Cassie and Tobias, he never got like a real battle morph. It's just him, which is fine, I guess. But not, I mean, it doesn't seem ideal. Cassie probably wouldn't be morphing a wolf if she had like a sword attached to her ass. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I might not either if I had a sword attached to my ass. <laughs> But I would probably have some other morphs because morphing's cool. Why aren't the Andalites using morphing all the fucking time? I would at least have a morph to enable me to sit down without special chairs. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. The only explanation that I've heard that makes sense is yours, that they purposefully developed these bodies by getting stuck partway through morphs and then gave themselves the morphing ability again which seems to be a thing i don't know if that's something that only the illamist can do but no because they have the cube it's described as an andalite technology that's true yeah presumably you could just let anybody slap their appendage on it and they would get the morphing ability yeah so, yeah, I, I think you are 100% correct in this. They have developed what they conceive as the perfect fighting form, so it just doesn't occur to them to morph in anything else. Although, the frequency with which Visser 3 morphs into giant fucking kill-you monsters really should get somebody to think, Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, the fact that... Uh, the fact that Visser 3 is using the Andalite body to morph so much, it makes sense. Because, yeah, that's obviously, if you have morphing, you should be morphing all the time. Because it's dope, and you can (laughs) fly and shit. That is the whole point of having the Andalite host. Yeah, no kidding. So it makes sense that he's using it all the time. Uh, But 
I'm almost surprised that he's never, like, it's almost surprising to me that when he's facing the supposed Andalite bandits, that he's not, A, using his normal form all the time as a way to stick it to him. Like, yeah, I took this form and I don't even need to use morphs. He does, though. He's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but also, it's surprising to me that he's not like, why are you a bear? Andalite bodies are the most superior and everybody knows it. I guess he thinks they're probably spies. Well, yeah, there's that. And also, since it's not actually Alaron, it's it's the Yurk inhabiting his head. He doesn't think that the Andalites are just the best that's uh, true war form ever and yeah. also he has not been trained in tailblade combat that's true he seems to i mean he has like the instincts and skill of aloran so that's something that is something but it i mean you definitely get the sense that he's not 100 percent sure of himself in that arena when they do battle on top of a mcdonald's yeah when they do <laughs> battle on top of the mcdonald's the, the second the- book in a row that's gotten a McDonald's shout out. Visser 3 is not loving it. <laughs> <laughs> he like breaks a leg jumping off the roof into a dumpster. And yeah. I'm pretty sure if an Andalite breaks a leg, you have to put him down because it won't feel right. <laughs> you have to turn him into glue. <laughs> Speaking of Andalite hooves. Oh, yeah. Let's end sidebar. <laughs> let's. Yeah, let's. Well, let's sidebar to another sidebar. Oh, shit. The double sidebar. The double sidebar. I think we're probably going to get into quad sidebars if I if I know how this is going so far. Nothing can defeat the quad sidebar. So the double sidebar is that there's a point in this book where Axe is running through the forest and it's raining. And he's like, if I run through this forest, I'm going to step on and eat a lot of worms because they're crawling up because it's raining. And that'll give me too much protein and I won't be able to sleep. What? Yeah. Turns out, Andalites are omnivores, which has horrifying fucking implications. Yeah. Yeah. Are they are they trampling to death creatures in order to eat them with their hooves? I have to imagine that that's how they get their protein on the Andalite homeworld. I have to assume so, too. And the other thing horrifying implication of this is that they don't have the ability to not eat or absorb things and this is a harken back to the last book where Visor 3 gets thrown into the pool by Rachel and the elephant elephant morph and is worried about getting some of that oatmeal gunk into his andalite body through his hooves so they must not be able to turn that off but that's bad well that does explain why they don't have a sense of taste i suppose oh my god yeah because if you have to walk around on your tongue all day it's real bad (laughs) oh god and in the woods like there's scat there that i would much prefer to walk around the woods on my tongue than walk around a downtown city especially one as big as they seem to probably live in And I know he's not doing that a lot, because he's an Andalite. My point is that he has definitely eaten poop. (laughs) 100%. I mean, you're right. When you're right, you're right, Brent. I just, God, I cannot get the mental image of, like, a bunch of Andalites stomping a chicken to death out of my head. (laughs) 
just like running up in the barnyard and clomp, 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 good eating. Yeah, I'm imagining like three or four of them circling around, bullying a chicken to death just so they can. I guess probably like in modern Andalite society, they get it as a slurry that they put into a bowl and then daintily dip their hoof into. (laughs) See, I'm imagining like uh, like in a, a movie or something where you have like a pig vat and you dump it over and it goes, no, I, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Who Framed Roger Rabbit and they throw the dip. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. They have a protein slurry dip that they throw just on the ground that the Andalites eat. But primitive Andalites 100% were stomping animals to death. Yeah, for sure they were. Yeah. My God. Okay, so what's... Okay, let's pull back to the main bar. Okay, we're at the main sidebar. I think we're about ready to end the main sidebar, so we can pull back out of the first sidebar and into the... on the page text? Yeah, I'm thinking like a cootie catcher, where we have to fold the pages back so we end up at the top level again. Okay. All right, so we are now back at the top of the stack. Uh, There's a point in this where Axe mentions to us, the audience, that one of his treasured, treasured memories, not just of his time on Earth, but his whole life, is having dinner with Cassie's family as Jake. And that made me sad, Brent. You said you wanted to unpack this, and I, I want to hear that unpacking, because that you are right. That is desperately sad. It is. So, I mean, it, he's had a lot of cultural experiences on Earth, most of them with the other Animorphs, uh, except for the opening scene in this book, which was him just hanging out at a mall, going crazy on his own. Do we do we want to sidebar again about that? Or? Yeah, let's sidebar. That was okay. weird. <laughs> sidebar about that. How did Axe end up at the mall unescorted? Yeah, because there's nobody, none of the other Animorphs are there. Right, they hear about it later. He wants, he wants Cinnabon. Well, obviously, but I feel like how'd he get to the mall? He could have morphed something that flies and flown there and demorphed and then morphed a human, but that's dicey. Uh, like, where does where is he unmorphing? Yeah, he's strolling up to Cinnabon, shoeless, uh-huh. in a leotard or bike shorts or whatever he's wearing, and he's asking for not a job because he doesn't know what that is. He's just asking for Cinnabons. He would like to exchange labor for human money. Yes, which he doesn't have any of, so he couldn't have taken the bus there. No, and he couldn't have bought shoes on his way in. I mean, I guess that the Animorphs could have got him, like, a Bart pass or something, but where does he keep it when he's an Andalite? They don't wear clothes. Oh my god, second sidebar. Yeah? <laughs> How the fuck does Andalite society work without pockets? Um, they, I mean, what do they need to carry? They don't seem to have money. Shredders. Oh shit, that's right, they've got weapons. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, I guess it's just probably strap. I'm guessing the I'm guessing the Andalites have perfected fanny pack technology. Like IDs? They gotta carry ID, perhaps? I don't I don't maybe they don't though. Like I mean they don't need drives? to carry weapons. They... Books? Portable computers? Hmm. Me- Andalite memory like Andalite morphine cubes. Oh shit, yeah. 
But I mean, that that seems like a special. They're not even using those. They're barely even using those. I, I just, I'm very upset. Like I couldn't get through the day without pockets. So I'm very upset at the idea of the entire race <laughs> living pocketless and sidebar. Okay. They probably all have bandoliers in sidebar. Oh, like Chewbacca. Yes, exactly like Chewbacca. So, yeah. So he just goes to the mall to get Cinnabons. And the manager of the Cinnabon restaurant's like, sure, kid. Why don't you clear some tables and I'll get you some Cinnabons. And then he clears it with his mouth by eating things, which actually (laughs) makes a lot more sense now that we know that they can't not eat whenever they walk. Yeah, yeah. The idea of disgust must not exist in Andalite society because they have to like walk on shit and stuff and it's fine. I, I simultaneously do and do not want to have a sidebar about (laughs) fandom's idea of the Andalite kink community. Oh no. Uh, Um, let's not, uh, but but I just, I want it on the record that that is what went through my head when you talked about them not having discussed as a cultural mechanism. Okay. Let's sidebar that and save it for Fandalite Nights. The X-rated <laughs> Fandalites podcast that we secretly do and don't share. I thought Fandalite Nights was the one where we were influenced by the X-Files mid-season and like we're looking at supernatural stuff. Whoa, I like that. <laughs> Mulder, Scully, and Cindy Crawford uh, investigate <laughs> supernatural occurrences related to Kay Applegate's Animorph series on Fandalites Nights. Wow. Look for it, <laughs> Look for it on the iTunes store. <laughs> I can't wait to start recording that after we read all of these books. Do we have any more sidebar for the Cinnabon sidebar? Uh, Just that, like, it doesn't jive with my experience of any food service manager. Yeah, or any mall manager. Yeah, ever. To just be like, you look like a good kid and you're real hungry, so here's some day-olds. Yeah, yeah, after he takes Cinnabons from, from some paying customers... The manager takes him back and she's like, well, kid, you seem real hungry. Have, have, have one, have one. And Axe is like, one or one tray? And then that scene <laughs> ends with an ambulance getting called, which also raises questions. In fact, it seems like the thing that they'd have a corporate policy strictly prohibiting because they have to dump bleach on the day-olds or something so that homeless people can't eat them out the dumpster. Yeah, which is more of what I expect from food management than here's some food, kid, you, you seem hungry. Yeah, so this manager's risking her job to, <laughs> is my headcanon now, she's risking her job <laughs> to feed this hungry teen. <laughs> and she completely screws the pooch, opening up the liability because he ate, he did not realize that the human stomach had a maximum capacity. Which is also very funny. Yes. Because I guess the Andalites might not have a traditional stomach if they're not actually ingesting matter. They're just ingesting nutrients. We do learn that they have two hearts. I don't know if we knew that already. I don't know if we did either. But yeah, Andalite anatomy, I'm really, I'm really interested in at this point. Yes. What are their internal organs? That's a great question. I, another one I don't think we'll ever get questions to. I bet they have like really lame alien names like Globulax or... Uh, <laughs> Gleet? Yeah, yeah, Gleet. That was a burn on, on the Gleet biofilter. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> it's named after the, the Andalite equivalent of a liver because it eliminates things that you don't want in your body. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like that a lot. Okay, end Cinnabon sidebar. <laughs> Fuck so, me. So he's got a lot of treasured memories of Earth and presumably other good memories from his life up till this moment. But for some reason, the dinner with Cassie's family is among his most treasured. And I, I don't know if it's just the expression of family, like that's something he's missed, but he has Tobias, who is his Nothlet. You mean his, uh, his Shorm. Oh, fuck. Shit. I thought I was so good. I thought I remembered the right word this time. Well, Tobias is a Nothlet. Yeah, but you're right. They're Shorms. They're Shorms. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, I, this book is sort of about how lonely Axe is without his own species. But also, like, Cassie's family isn't, they aren't Andalites. And I'm wondering if maybe being Jake in that experience helped him feel like he was with his own because he was being human among humans. You don't think that maybe it's just a treasured memory because they gave him food and didn't put a limit on it? I mean, maybe. And he did really like the food, but he's had so many other food-related memories it just seems like there's something special about this one. And the only special thing about this, I can imagine, is either Jake being Jake, which there's some things, there's yeah. some stuff, yeah. or spending time with Cassie and her family. Yeah, I think there's probably something to that. Do you... I... Because Jake is his prince. Maybe it's like a weird absorption of authority secondhand? Maybe the Jake morph affected his enjoyment of having dinner with oh. Cassie and her parents in such a way as to color that memory afterwards. Oh, I like that. Rather than his normal amalgamation morph, mm -hmm. he was Jake and people responded to him as Jake. So maybe that was it. Yeah. And also his Jake morph is into Cassie. So he's very excited to be having dinner with Cassie and her parents. That's true. That's sweet. I like the idea that Jake, on a base DNA level, is so into Cassie that it comes through in the morph. Let's not pretend that they do not muddy the waters about what <laughs> DNA actually they use, even more than normal in this book. Yeah, because let's go ahead and go to that. We're like fucking 20 minutes into recording now, and we have not even got to the main thrust of the book. Yeah, go for it, Brent. Uh, which is that you can morph from blood. Yeah. You can acquire somebody just from their blood. Yeah, that's upsetting. It's, it has like, if you can acquire somebody from their blood, that means you should be able to acquire any animal from any part of it, living or dead. Yeah, hair, teeth. Yeah, they didn't need to bust into the fucking sea world and burn the place to the ground in order to acquire sharks. Yeah, they didn't need to threaten to beat a shark to death as dolphins in order to acquire it. Yeah, 100%. They could have just found a fucking bro and borrowed his shark tooth necklace. Yeah, and they can get a, a, a endangered species just by getting access to any of their DNA. They can get extinct species, dinosaur morph, hello. Yeah, which uh, will be coming up in the next Megamorphs, but don't get too excited. It's a Sanrio rip. Nothing counts. Fucking. Well, okay. Can we sidebar? Because I want to come back to this, but let's sidebar. Yes. Sidebar again. Yes. Yes. The do, do. So 
any morphs you get in a Sanrio rip don't count because you're going back in time. Correct. In this book, they acquire Lyran morphs. Lyrans, you might remember, are the telepathic fish creatures from planet Lyra who they who were in the book with the hammerhead sharks basically yeah they acquire lyran morphs sentient creatures it's fine whatever uh well, they say no please take our dna yeah they're chill with it there's a brief um, struggle which is nice we could get into another sidebar here but let's i'll let you keep going okay I mean, we could sidebar. No, I'll okay. keep going. But so, brief, brief sidebar, I am 100% not surprised that Cassie, after very briefly and weakly objecting, is the one who comes up with a way for them to acquire this Secret Service dude and sidebar. Yeah, she's pretty, she's into it. I think Cassie likes morphing humans, and I totally get it, and I would be the same way uh, <laughs> in sidebar. So they they get this morph, which is a pretty cool and probably pretty useful more since it has telepathy uh-huh but when they snap back to earth they arrive at the same second that they left so no time has really passed that we are aware of so do they still have the Lyran morph my thought is that because this was not a sanrio rip but a form of z space travel which we've established, allows you to move way faster between two points than you otherwise should. Um, so the time dilation is a property of Z-space travel. Right. Uh, my thought is that they should definitely still have these morphs, but I don't think we will ever see them again. I think you're probably right, Bren. It, it, I mean, they are aliens, so it's not like something they can have just out and about. But having the ability to telepath in your back pocket seems useful. Mm, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Like, you could just sit somewhere and telepathy everybody. You could telepathy a yerk and know where all of the entrances to the yerk pool are. Just, like, hang out near Chapman's house. Yeah. Get the lowdown. It's mm-hmm. so useful. It's too useful. I think probably they just won't come up again because it's just so useful. Yeah, pretty much. There's lots of things, I think, in this book that are not going to come up again. Yeah, probably. Do we have any other sidebar about that? Uh, well, I'm wondering, and I do think this will come up again. I'm wondering how long it's going to take for the fact that that Andalite Admiral on Liren, whose name I do not remember... Does now know that there are like a handful of humans and an Andalite cadet stuck on Earth standing between the Yerks and total domination of it. I mean, the Andalites know because Act had contact with them. Yeah, but somebody knows. But that wasn't really military command, and that dude sort of seemed like he wanted to brush it under the rug so Elfangor didn't get embarrassed. That's true. That's true. They now know that the Yerks are already attempting to use Earth's biodiversity to conquer other planets. That's true. Oh, maybe that's why the Andalites don't use morphing technology all that much, because they only have like a hundred species on their planet. Oh, that's fair. 
So like if there's if that's all the biodiversity you've got, maybe it's just not worth it. Although how do you have a six-winged bird? No, okay, we can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I Look, can't. I feel like a hundred animals is still plenty to like play around with morphine. None of the animorphs have anywhere near a hundred morphs in their respective mm. libraries, and they seem to do just fine. Yeah. No kidding. It's, I. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't know what's up with the Andalites. They are just wasting this gift. Really are. They really are. Okay, do we have any other sidebar about that? Uh, God. I've forgotten where we are anymore. We've sidebarred ourselves out of, <laughs> out of any track. sort of coherent order. No, I'm totally keeping track. Are we done with the sidebar? Which sidebar is it? The sidebar about the Lyran morph. Yes, we're done with that one. So I, if you can just use DNA to get a morph, you can morph anybody. I think you can get a lot of people, especially if you have a mosquito morph, which they do now. Like you could just morph Chapman, morph mm-hmm. whomever. And they, they clearly are over this whole uh, unnecessary preoccupation with the ethics of morphing humans without their consent. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So... I I want them to use that. that. This is another one I think that's probably just never going to come up again. Jenna, they can morph dead people. <gasps> you make a great point. Are you still there? Oh, yes. I'm just, I'm, I'm rendered speechless by the haunted house potential of this shit. Yeah, if they could, if they could, if, they can pull the fucking sick assist of all pranks ever pulled on someone. <laughs> okay, if if okay, 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 okay. Here's here's a question. Here's an important question. So when they acquire a morph, they acquire the morph at that age and state, minus any injuries that are cured miraculously by morphing. We know Rachel's bear morph has like cataracts because it's old. How, if you get, if you get the DNA from like a hair or blood sample, what, I, how, how, what form are you morphing? When did, was the hair and blood sample taken? Is that, is that the, I guess that's the marker. Yeah. So you couldn't be like digging up no, no, you'd have to get, like, a lock of their hair from before they died. Okay. Still. Still? Yeah. That's a horrible, horrible prank. Oh my god, if any of the animals <laughs> ever needs a blood transfusion, they can morph who it came from. Oh my god. There's a lot there. There's a lot there, Brent. Oof. There's a lot there. This is like a whole episode on its own. Yeah, the the review of how DNA works in the Animorphs is its own complicated mess. It's its own conspiracy red string board. They're stored in some sort of super cool nanomolecule. <laughs> DNA strands. What the fuck does he call it? I don't remember. Something crazy and alien. Also, the chi are in this for like a page. Yeah, kind of unnecessarily. I assume that's foreshadowing them returning in a more major way in a future book. 
feel like that's K.A. reminding us that they exist so that we're not surprised when they show up and have a huge part to play later. I'm hoping. So, so all right. Uh, when, when, they, when they go to get this dude's blood and they get sucked into zero space because they've displaced too much mass and they happened, their, their zero space mass just happened to get past and caught in like the magnetic field of an Andalite ship also passing through zero space. And so they're like hanging out there, all parts of them inside and out visible at the same time. Yep. Because it's not three dimensional space and like suffocating because there's no air there. And then they get like picked up by the Andalite ship. Yeah. And I appreciate that the Andalite captain, although he turns out to be uh, a, a Benedict Andalite. <laughs> That's what we're calling this episode. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate that he immediately gets that axe taking the fall for Elfangor giving morphine technology out as bullshit. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, like the 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 XO or whatever they call him. The t- oh, Harlan. Yeah, Harlan. What is his rank? A uh, TO. Yeah. Okay. So the TO Harlan is like very very upset about this, but the captain's just like, "Did you make contact with the homeworld? Were you given orders?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's too late. Axe already fucked up lying so miserably bad. Lying does not seem to come natural to Axe. No, no. Studying and lying. He's not a social character for sure. He Like, he has literal months since he's contacted the homeworld to come up with a story explaining how he gave humans morphing to cover for his brother and just didn't. He yeah. had one homework. I mean, his hands have been kind of full, what with the life and death stuff. Yeah, what with running through the forest and grinding up worms under his hooves. Worms and dung. Worms and dung. That's the name of this episode. (laughs) Uh, So do we want to talk about Z's face and that whole thing? Dude, I don't even know where to start with Z's face. I don't either. Yeah, our our previous theories about the fatberg of extruded mass ugh, does not seem to have panned out. We know that it's like recognizably parts of people, and that's more upsetting, I think. Yeah, it also raises questions about when they have a high mass morph, where's where that mass coming from? Where that mass at? Yeah, that's a good question that yeah. really I don't think anybody thought about. Nope. It's not addressed, and I guess that might be why all of their theories about Z-Space are proven wronged by this incident. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They don't know where the fuck the mass is coming from, so why should we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And a sidebar for this, I had a whole bunch of questions about how this works for the mass that they left over on Earth. Because are they... Are they all missing, like, mosquito-sized parts of their body? Like, are all of their fingernails just a little bit shorter? Because all of that mass is still mosquitoes? It's just a hole, the shape, the, the size and shape of a mosquito in one of their brains? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, is like, because that, be, that could be real bad. Yeah. If, if it's the wrong part of the body, that could cause some real damage. We sort of know, I guess, that that's not how morphine works. It keeps your body more or less in one stable state. Yeah, so it must just be 
like parts of your body that you don't really need. <laughs> it just skims some top off the. It just it's yeah. a, just taken layers of skin off, uh, but not the kind that you need. Right. They don't like have tonsils or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got none of them have appendix appendixes. Appendices. Appendices. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other questions being like, so are those mosquito bits still back on Earth? And are they? I mean, I guess most of that gets erased because they arrive they when they velcro back or uh, elastic back to Earth, mm-hmm. and no time has passed because whatever. I guess ka whatever. <laughs> That doesn't seem like that's how that should work. We're hand-waving that away with describing, like, time dilation as an inherent property of zero space travel. I guess. I just don't like it. I do not either, but I feel like we have so many, like, just scientific insanities going on right now. We don't need to toss that one on top of our stack. That's fair. That's fair. That's its own thing, and it can just be its own thing. Uh, End sidebar. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so what sidebar are we in now? I think we're. T- I think we're talking about Z space. Do we have any more about Z space? No. Let's end that sidebar too. Okay, then I think we're just back to the normal bar. Okay. Yeah, we're page text. All right. Okay. <sighs> so on. Liren acts like oh okay so while they're on Lyra they sort of wander through a no man's land on the one continent there and then end up going into the ocean like some of them are disappearing and they don't really seem to give a shit which is weird yeah it yeah it's weird that their teammates are disappearing and they just are just sort of like, well, that's battle for you. Like, no. Right, right. Not dying. Just like, poof, not there. Yeah, not getting lost. Just unexisting. And I assume they must got to the, they must be at the point where they're like, well, <laughs> everything will work out okay, I guess. And so then they're like, well, we got to go to like the Lyran underwater city to tell them about the plan that we think the Andalites are really doing, which turns out to be blowing up the one continent on the planet because the Lyrans don't really care about it or need it. They don't do anything with it. So they're like, sure, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I don't even want to get into that. Um, <laughs> and and they find out apparently Lyrans have like these big ancillary brain nodes that you just bite off. And that takes yeah. the whole yerk, and then they're, like, good. <laughs> yeah, it exposes their brain in such a way that the yerk gets, like, ejected. Like, that's really fucking handy. Yes, right? <laughs> and a, a more weird evolution. I like that the oceans that, at least where the Lyrans live near in their ocean, there seems to be, like, no predators, really. It's just kind of a chill ocean place to live i appreciated that i appreciate that the color scheme their city is described as having is 100 percent sea punk <laughs> it seems yeah. super appropriate <laughs> tell us the colors paint us a picture well i mean just you, you run the tumblr just look for sea punk i mean <laughs> i'll post some sea punk pictures on the tumblr yes do it <laughs> uh and then axe 
has to do this like basically the underwater level of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles NES game to get to a bright hole uh, and <laughs> rearm the detonator or I don't know the whole thing is very it made me think of the part in The Little Mermaid when she's escaping from Ursula's cave, cave and all of the creatures that Ursula has turned into like sea snakes latch onto her. Uh, that's what it made me think of instead of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just thinking of that one fucking level. You, you can't touch the sides. It's annoying. Water levels are the worst. The only other thing I wanted to say is that this has the most bonkers cover oh, like shit. okay right. animorphs gets a lot of flack for its weird uh evocative covers and that's totally legit this one is crazy because most of the time the animals that they're morphing into are at least hypothetically relatively sized to the original body that is not the case on this one axe looks like he's morphing into a giant fucking mosquito I have to assume that this is the cover design equivalent of getting faced with an axe intro for our cold open. Where they're like, <laughs> well, we always have the hole cut in it with the animal scene behind it. <laughs> and we can't do that with a mosquito. It's just too small. So let's just wing it. Yeah. And I mean, this cover has axe with like a full torso anyway. So obviously it's bullshit. Yeah, already 100% inaccurate. And then they just yeah. throw in the relative mosquito size. Yeah. <laughs> that really will do it for us. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, join us again next week for Megasode number two. Woo! In the time of the dinosaurs. I'm pretty stoked about this one. I have a lot of very vivid memories about reading this. I remember being so excited when it came out and then immediately realizing Sanrio Rip and being way less excited. <laughs> I like that that's true for young Brent and old Brent. Yeah, just more Alamist bullshit. Thanks. <laughs> uh, hit us up online. Uh, we're at Fandalites on Twitter. We're Fandalites at gmail.com is our email address fandalites.tumblr.com if you want to send us any questions or comments or uh harsh harsh criticism please do uh we welcome <laughs> how did it you all. like the number of sidebars in this episode more or fewer i did not care for it <laughs> what i really liked it in fact i think this is going to be the new format for every single episode that we do from now on we went a little nuts with the sidebars <laughs> Uh, thanks to Dust Nodell for the use of his music for our intro and outro theme. Uh, and until next time, remember, nostalgia is a drug.